Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Milan, the co-founder of Finny. Finny is the gamified personal finance learning platform he co-founded with his wife. And today we will learn about his path to financial freedom. We will talk about the errors he made when he started investing in the stock markets, how he managed his finance using the anti-budget principle, something I was not familiar with neither. And finally, the importance of prioritizing your financial fitness. This episode is for you if you're having a hard time managing your money and your budget and want to hear another point of view that could be a better fit for your situation. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Milan. How are you doing today? Jonathan, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing fine. Thank you. It's uh, evening here, pleasant time. I am uh, have the evening off, so that that's great. And uh, all uh, my stuff is done for the day. So just looking forward to talk to you, uh, Milan. And uh, yeah, I think you have um, a brilliant uh, story to tell us. I mean, basically, it's your life story because it's filled with uh, personal finance insights and tips that we can all use. Yeah. So Milan, maybe uh, you can tell us a little bit about yourself. So I noted that you came from Serbia to the US in 99. So yeah, what happens then? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, Jonathan. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. I really enjoy uh, your podcast. So you're right. I came to the States in 1999 when I was 20 something years old. Mm -hmm. And I came with uh, $2,000 in my pocket in the middle of the war. And back in 1999, we had NATO bombings in Serbia. And so I escaped the second day of the war. Mm -hmm. I spent some time with my relatives in Bosnia. And then I tried to find a first flight to the United States because all the the air traffic was closed down completely. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't just take a flight out of Belgrade or Sarajevo. I had to wait a couple of months to finally come to the United States. I had a green card at the time. I was very, very fortunate. And I did have a little bit of money to start with. But hell, man, that gave me just a lot of stress to start with. Um, and here I am now, 20-something years later, doing well. Uh, it sounds like a dream story, but we'll get to that, Jonathan. I yeah. think it's uh, it's been a long journey for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. So yeah, you you were lucky to to then uh, move to the U.S. And I don't know about your um, uh, money stories before you were twenty year old, but when you came to the U.S., so you went straight to uh, grad school, or did you just start to work? Yeah, no, I actually wound up going to grad school because I thought I was going, going to do a PhD in engineering, but only to find out maybe a year into the program that I really wasn't cut out to be an engineer. Uh, I wasn't so passionate about the things that I was working on. Um, I had a fortune to work on NASA space shuttle oh, wow. and missions, yeah. which was um, thrilling in a way. But at, at the end of the day, I, I'm a commercial person at heart and I wanted to do something commercial. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to be a scientist. So after a year, I wound up um, ditching my PhD program at Caltech, and then I found a job. And um, during that job, I learned a lot of things, all the way from product management uh, and technical things 
which was a good part of my job, but also how to work with people, uh, how to get along, how to do well, how to be happy, all these things that I'm happy to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And just before we move on, Caltech, is that where the Big Bang Theory, the series is uh, shot? That's right. So that's Caltech is a very unique campus. It's probably the, the most intense institution of higher education in America because everybody who comes there wants to be a scientist or a professor or work in NASA, right? Well, maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but it's, uh, it's definitely a very unique place. Extremely talented people, brilliant people. It's just really amazing. Okay, okay. So let, let, let's go back to you. So, so what's going on uh, after, the, after, you, after the PhD? So then you go into, uh, into work, into sales jobs? No, not, not quite yet. Not yet. So okay. first of all, I learned a little bit. How, well, I started investing as soon as I had a little bit of money. Um, I, I would say that just living off of $2,000 to start with, it was very stressful. But you learn basic things along the way. And man, did I not realize at a time that I was really fortunate because many of my classmates at Caltech had student loans. And I didn't. So in a way, my, my net worth was positive. Many of my classmates had negative net worth. And I just didn't realize how fortunate that of a position is. Um, it certainly is a problem in, in, in the United States. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing so much legislation and political talk around student loans. When I had a little bit of money, what I wound up doing is I turned on the TV and I watched this guy, Jim Cramer, talk about certain stocks. And those are stocks you wouldn't even recognize today. Names like Transmeta or Webvan or Sun Microsystems. And I just wound up investing in all these um, stocks that he was talking about, mm -hmm. which was really, uh, had a really horrific outcome for me. I didn't know much about investing. I was actually one of those people that I, everything I heard on TV, I thought that was truth. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was science. Having you know, that PhD background <laughs> yeah. and not entertainment, but I was still very naive and I couldn't uh, really tell entertainment, financial ent entertainment apart from financial research, information and science. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to invest. I wanted I put a lot of money into those talks that did really horribly. So coming into the market in, at the end of 2000, um, I invested a the equivalent of $10,000 today. And I wound up with, at one point, with like $1,000 in my investment account. So what I wound up doing is I sold at the bottom of the market, which is, you know what it is, minus 90% return. I think that that's just a horrific outcome that really made a mark in my head. And from that point on, I told myself, hell, I got to learn how to invest. This is not working out for me. But But you were not discouraged. You were not like, Okay, now I lost 90% of my uh, portfolio. Investing sucks. I will never do it again. No, you were like, no, I will try to find out how to make money. Co correct. I will actually, I was more constructive and I really wanted to figure out how, mm -hmm. how people make money at the end of the day. Okay. But were this um, advice or the, the shows on TV from these traders, were they bad or did you not apply what they say or what, what went wrong actually? Or did they just make silly predictions just to, to entertain the crowd, to, to create some panic or some emotion for the viewers? I, I think the lack of the fundamental problem was the lack of my financial education, mm -hmm. which is it's not just my problem. It's even happening today. If you look at the YOLO movement and YOLO investing, um, that's, how, that's the recipe uh, for a recipe for disaster, if you will. 
And, you know, I just didn't know anything about investing. As a 20-something-year-old, you're just thinking that you got to invest now and you don't care about retirement and all these things that they tell you, like invest, prepare for your future, prepare for your retirement. That Mm -hmm. doesn't really touch you because simply adrenaline is pumping in. You think you could do so well and you're so overestimating your capabilities. And I was the prime example of somebody who overestimated my capabilities. And then the other thing is I didn't, didn't know at all is just telling you part information and science and what I frankly call personal finance education from entertainment and mm-hmm. all the stuff you see on in the news, et cetera. I just couldn't tell the difference. And that was very confusing to me. I believed everything I heard. Right. And I'm sure some people do even today when when you jump on Reddit and you see somebody's talking about <laughs> certain stocks, they think that's the future. No, I've, I've learned it the hard way. I just feel so all sorry for all people who are going to lose at some point in time because that loss is very painful it's a lot more painful than just gaining Mm -hmm. and having more and um you know in a way i I, you know i feel really sorry for those people i think we could all collectively do better through financial education no absolutely i agree and i think we've mentioned it uh, several times on the show and but maybe there's some first-time listeners that yes uh, all this tv the stock picks, etc. These presenters, these traders on TV, on television. In the end, they are there to create an audience. And you know, I made a joke the other day on Twitter, but it's like basically, yeah, the stocks go up or down. So if they say it goes up, I mean, there's fifty percent they're wrong, fifty percent they're right, and then when they're right, okay, then they will repeat it over and over in the, in the coming weeks or something, you know, or like saying three years later, you remember I was right when I said that uh, the Tesla stock or the Coca-Cola stock would go up or whatever. So so it's very, I mean, not manipulated, but it's very, yeah, it's entertaining, but it's not very, yeah, I mean, you need to learn more about the company, what's behind it, how to how the company makes money. So maybe let's go to your journey, um, Milan. How did you then, let's say, take the bull by the horns and uh, how did you uh, get into investing more seriously? Great question, Jonathan. So, so first of all, I didn't give up, as you said. Like that's just giving up is the worst thing that you can do at any point in time. Um, there was a point in my life when I decided I wanted to get more business education. So, I applied to MBA programs. Was really fortunate to get into Stanford Graduate School of Business, but that also meant taking a lot of loans, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as I continued the journey, my the path in my head was clear, and the path was do well continue to be promoted, take the loans where you have to, right? And and just try to pay them off as uh, soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, when I met my wife back in 2010, I realized that was really the common case for many people living in, in the United States. So if you really wanted to do well, I think there's a sure path to success, what some people call, which is do well academically, work hard when you get, when you get a a job that you really like, really prove yourself, and then you'll do well eventually at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But that also means taking loans, and many people are not really comfortable with that. So in some ways, you're taking, you're going into a divot to emerge from that divot later on. Um, and so between my wife and me, at one point in time, we had $250,000 of debt, mm-hmm. and that was just student loan debt, grad school debt. And, and then after that, we even had a mortgage Right. So you can imagine living in California, that's pretty where it's pretty expensive. That was over a million dollars of that. Right. So <laughs> uh, that's something that <laughs> that really offset us. But we've worked through it. 
Um, we worked through it. We worked on getting ourselves into a better position financially. And that's something that we shared. Really, that journey from being in David to coming on top and becoming financially independent is something I really, really treasure and something we're both proud of. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's quite impressive, Milan. But then how do you pay off such a, a huge debt? I mean, this um, just the student loan alone is more than my first apartment. So, uh, <laughs> so, so how, how do you, um, how do you afford this, all this debt and how do you get through this? And did you invest as well uh, at the same time on the side or yeah, please guide us through how you, you did it. Yeah, no, that's a, that was a long journey really. And I, I think in the beginning, when you start, you don't have a lot, you have a job and you have a debt that's more than, than the money you're making. So, um, at the end of the day, you're still, your net worth is negative. But the one thing we decided is we really sat down and we made our financial wellness a priority. And, mm -hmm. and so normally when couples do that, they go through budgeting, the budgeting exercise. And um, there's a popular methodology that I'm sure you're aware of, uh, 50, 30, 20 mm -hmm. budget, budgeting rule, which is something that many people use to simplify their budgeting decisions. Maybe you can uh, just explain what it is, uh, the 50-30-20? Yes. So that's probably one of the most common budgeting methodologies. Uh, so what 50-30-20 means is that when you look at your after-tax income, you should be spending about 50% of your after-tax income on your necessities, like things like housing or food. Mm -hmm. then you should spend 30% of your after-tax income on discretionaries. So things that you like doing, like traveling or dining or movies, anything basically that's not really mandatory that makes you happy and you treasure. Mm -hmm. And then 20% of your budget should go towards investing and loans, paying okay. off your debt, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. that's the simple methodology. And We basically didn't want to live that life because it was too constraining for us to just think about our budget and, and have to run all these spreadsheets, even though both of us are financially educated and we like spreadsheets and we use them all the time for work. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just felt a little unnatural for us to go through that exercise every week, right? Many couples do that and we decided not to do it. So, mm -hmm. But what we wound up doing instead is we decided to apply a principle called the anti-budget. Uh -huh. What is that? <laughs> anti-budget. So what that means is for us is when we get a paycheck, we first, so that 50-30-20 rule that I just talked about, you, mm -hmm. you just kind of flip it the, the other way around. So instead of talking about your necessities first, you flip that pyramid and, and so you start considering your debt and investing first. And so when we got a paycheck, our the first thing that we did is we made a payment towards our mortgage and student debt. And then we also invested right away to start with, right? Mm -hmm. So everything else that we do, when it becomes, uh, it is, is then necessities and discretionary spending. But the reason why that was really important for our personal family finances is that we prioritized what was really important to us, which is financial freedom. To be financially free, you need to pay off your debt Mm -hmm. And you need to invest some money for the future. And so that's exactly what we wound up doing. And it served us really well. Because at the end of the day, when you do that, what you, the position you end up in is a position where you have some money. And obviously, we have two kids and we have to pay for school and 
and food and everything else that that was important that was a necessity for us but then the rest of the money sometimes we spend it on on discretionaries like traveling to europe going on vacations to mexico but oftentimes we just wound up investing the rest of the money right because mm -hmm. it, it really when you flip the pyramid and when you start from the top and start with investing that becomes your mindset you're just constantly thinking okay how can i invest more how can i get rid of that right how can i get rid of that and when you do so you become more focused on what gets you to financial independence mm -hmm. and that was really our priority okay that that, we that wanted is... to be financially free okay that that's clear but then did you never have like um, a question about yeah this year i want to go on holiday with the family uh, to mexico or um let's say to France or to, I don't know, to, you, to Thailand, I don't know what, I don't know where, but you never had a conflict that, oh, no, I want to go on holiday or I want to invest. You never had that conflict or did you sometimes have difficult choices uh, using that method? I think that's exactly what happens, Jonathan. Every time you prioritize saving and investing, then you also have conflicts, sometimes mm -hmm. just in your head, sometimes between you and your wife or it, you know it, it really is a conflict across the board mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but but um off, yeah oftentimes what we wind up doing is because we're we're a family we're married we make decisions jointly um and that's really important to us how, as far as how we you know live and lead our life uh we want to be able to make our decisions jointly and so in a way every person has the power of veto and um for us what's what's really wonderful is that we wound up being very harmonious and we had the same wishes and same desires in all these vacations that we took. That's really something that we treasured and that made us happy and that gave us a lot of memories. And even to this day, when we're not traveling, we're still looking back at the pictures and reminiscing of the good mm -hmm. times when yeah. we were able to travel. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Okay, this is great. And what about investing in the stock market? So how did you, let's say, flip the script there? We flipped the script 100%. And what we did is we, instead of investing in risky stocks, we still did that to a certain extent, but not, not as much. We wound up investing in simple index funds, and I'm sure you know a lot about that. But for, for us, that really starts with something as simple as a three-fund portfolio. And that three-fund portfolio was really a combination of domestic U.S. stocks, international European, Asia Pacific stocks and um, and fixed income or bonds, right? Like, and so because we were younger, we heavily invested towards stocks. And, and as you know, in the past 10 years, the stock market has done incredibly well, mm -hmm. both in Europe um, and the United States. And we've just benefited from it because the, the compounding interest is really the key. It's the math magic, as we call it, at Finney, the company I'm running now, right? And we were just uh, beneficiaries of compounding interest in the times when the market did pretty well. This three fund portfolio, that's great. But where did you learn about this? Did you, uh, because, okay, you were watching TV before uh, when you were um, a student, but now where did you find the, the ideas or where did you read about it? Uh, was it at the bank? Was it on the on websites, on podcasts, on, uh, on, in, on the internet blogs? I would say all of the above. Like I would, uh, I would just maybe start with Bogleheads, which is a large forum where people talk about Vanguard style or Jack Bogle style investing. But then spread out to various forums where people were very serious about their intent and planning for retirement. And so that that's one place. There are 
thing is actually we read a lot of books, right? Like I think mm-hmm. we had that financial education. I think these days you could find uh, wonderful books like The Simple Path to Wealth mm-hmm. by J.L. Collins and some other books that really taught us how to invest. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, we, you know, we thought as, as we learn all these principles, um, my wa- wife worked in finance, I worked in tech, we decided actually to start a company that will teach other people to do personal finance well and really cover all, all these things that an ordinary person worries about, all the way from budgeting and saving to credit, which is really important here in the United States because people wind up taking a lot of debt, mm-hmm. debt management, insurance, investing, retirement planning. Those are all the things that we decided to focus on within the company that we started and financial education became our passion because we had all these lessons that we wanted to uh, to share uh, with uh, people who, who are going through a similar situation now. So, so are you talking then to your wife only about money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you no, talk no, at I home didn't. and then you, you work uh, in this, uh, in, in your company as Finney. So how does that work? <laughs> it's, it's working out really great. I would like, I would say now in the Corona times, it's, it's a little more challenging where, mm. when you tackle, when you talk about work all the time. And I think when with kids, we have two kids, ages seven and three, uh, obviously they, they want to play with mom and dad all the time. So sometimes uh, your, your work life is stealing away from your personal life, but that's, you know, something that we treasure to this day. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to personal finances, the important thing is to make personal finance a habit. And like and some people call that habit stacking, but it kind of looks like this, like you don't have to talk about personal finance and professional life all the time. You have to have the time, a setup time when you uh, really want to deep dive and focus on it. And you may say, for example, every Saturday morning mm-hmm. after our coffee in the morning, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll just talk about how we're managing for all the needs that we have and everything else that the kids need or we adults need or, you know, travel, vacations, anything that's basically on our mind. So. If you make it a habit, you're going to be more successful at it. And if you invest in your personal finance education, I think the important part is to understand and be able to explain to others what it is that, that you're doing and why you're doing it, right? Uh, so, and, and that's really the trick about learning personal finance. It becomes more like a fitness exercise than something you learn in law school for example, right? So it becomes more like a daily routine. You read something new, you tell your partner what you read about, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, you, you share with your family, and then you make time to talk about it because it is important. And finances, as you know, it's the leading co- cause of divorce, divorces in the United States and elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, and, and we decided to really prioritize our financial life because I think fitness and health go together with your financial health. And chances are, if you take care of these two things, along with good sleep, you know, good health, you're really just going to wind up being a happy person. That's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, no, I like this uh, habit because, uh, I mean, for you, it's every Saturday morning. I mean, for different people, it can be maybe once a month or I don't know. But it's no, it's, it's, it's good because it's true that I have noticed that, yes, it's a topic that can easily be tried to avoid unless there's bills on the table to pay or some issues. And so, yeah, it's good to tackle them proactively. It's a, it's a good way to, to do that as a couple uh, before uh, problems happen or before big decisions need to be taken and not uh, that somebody in, on his own or on her own takes a big decision uh, financially for the, for the family. 
That's right. I think it's all, it all is about joint planning, joint mm-hmm. decision making. You have to be into it, and because it's uh, the at the end of the day, it's your life. If you neglect it, it will be neglected, and it will be, become a sore point rather than something you're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And and look, finances and personal finance could be fun. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be something that you want to avoid. I think we're changing the culture here. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of financial transparency on the rise. I think that's that's really mm-hmm. important. When you look around Instagram or so, you see people who are just so proud to share parts of their life when they're getting rid of student loans, right? And I'm just, I just really remember the time when I was growing up and there was nothing like that. And like you just kind of kept it within yourself. You wouldn't even talk to your coworkers about it. Even today, like money is a taboo and we don't talk about it very willingly. But now, you know, with uh, the, the millennials and Gen Zs, I think people are just willing more, uh, willing to share more. Um, and tell other people how they're making progress in their financial lives. And that's very inspiring to me. Okay, no, that's great. And maybe one question I, I have, uh, it's um, about your wife. Did you come from, um, okay, she, she has studied finance, but did you, were you wired the same uh, when re- with regards to finance when you met? Or was that as well a process uh, of, uh, yeah, adjusting to each other about the money? Or how did that work? Did she teach you maybe more money? or? Or the contrary? I think, uh, yeah, what's, I mean, everybody's wired differently. And I, I think it all is, alignment is always a process. It never comes in day one. So for, for anybody who has expectations that they're going to find like a mirror image of themselves, that's that's a, probably a poor expectation. It may not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what's really important is to to really talk about it, make it a, make it a habit like we did. Or in my case, I would say my background is really something that made a dent on how I think about money in general, because when you don't have a lot in the beginning, and I came from like a really lovely family where, you know, we had enough for everything, but there, there was, you know, not really access to money or, or we didn't have money, too much money to spend mm-hmm. on unnecessary things, on discretionaries, as you would call it now. <laughs> but, you know, just being able to budget and, and to uh, do things on a tight budget and having to do, practice that consistently made a a mark in my in mm-hmm. my head. So even to this date, I'm just thinking about how to live frugally and live and be happy, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a part that how simply how I was wired as a kid that you don't have a lot of money. You never spend more than, than the money you have, which is not necessarily always true. Like now, particularly with credit cards and uh, personal loans, and even the buy now pay later movement, um, you see a lot of people spending a ton of money today and spending the money that they don't have. And that just wasn't the case for me simply because I had different upbringing. It wasn't my, my wife grew up in the United States where you had more access to capital. But at the end of the day, well, I think these days we're very much aligned to, to how we want to manage our budget and spend our money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, that alignment makes us really happy. From what I see or hear, we have less options like this. Pay, I mean, order now and pay later. It exists here as well in Europe in general. But I think people make less use of that. I think there's less this um, culture of of credit cards. I mean, of course, people get into debt as well, but it's not as huge. Not saying I'm not saying that we are better. I'm just saying it's not so much in the culture. So then people are less encouraged to do so. And I feel, I mean, and I've even did some research. I Sorry, I've even done some research on that to, to try to find what, what's the credit card uh, situation. And so it differs on country. Yeah? I mean, Europe is different from country to country, but it's not as, I mean, 
from what I see, it's not as big as in the US, which, but it doesn't mean that we are better with money because we may start with a clean sheet. Like you, when you arrived in the US, we don't have student loan debts or depending on the country again, but then we don't necessarily know how to use, make the best use of the money because then we, we are looking at spending money when we get our first paychecks and we don't necessarily look at um, investing or preparing our future. So it's a little bit different. So, but it's all about education. And I think that's uh, important anyway. And what you described, for example, having a ritual uh, with your wife or your, I mean, with your spouse or your husband, I think it's very important making the budget or the anti-budget. I mean, really taking care of your finances, this applies everywhere. And so it's very important. And what I like as well is that you started, so this company um, called Fini, I always say Ask Fini, but it's Fini. So, um, can you tell us a little bit what about what you guys are doing? Sure. So Finney or AskFinney.com, that's the domain, is a company that's focused on personal finance education mm-hmm. because we went through all these lessons. For us, personal finance education was not fun and it was not easy. And we made a lot of mistakes along the way. We actually started with our mission to make personal finance education fun and easy and um, accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. So that uh, I don't know what's the situation in Luxembourg, but in the United States and California specifically, there is no personal finance curriculum. So even when you go through high school or when you go to college, nobody teaches you personal finance. You will you could take a lot of classes around institutional finance, investment banking, Wall Street. Right. But never about Main Street. Mm -hmm. So. We started with this mission to educate everybody on personal finances. And I think the one misconception that people have is that personal finance and financial literacy are is only for kids, right? And that's absolutely not the case. I think really you could learn and try to fathom everything you're learning in school, but it's really when the rubber hits the road, when you finish college or get your first job, when you have to manage your money day to day, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's basically when life starts for you and you're just starting to think and maybe scrambling, okay, how do I do this? And can I get some help with this specific issue? Because I haven't seen anything like that before. If any, what we did first is we made uh, personal finance education easy by way of gamifying it. So instead of having long, boring, long-form lessons <laughs> that feel like ripped out pages from a chemistry textbook, right? We, we made uh, personal finance education bite-sized, quiz-based, also game-based, so that when people are learning and finning, they're getting dips, which is a virtual current currency, and they can monetize those dips for rewards. And that offering was really well accepted. We were featured as product uh, number one and product hunt, and it just taken off for us from you know, from that point on. Uh, now, in addition to that, what we realized is that learning is just not enough, right? It's, you could uh, spend a lot of time learning, but if you don't have a good supportive forum to ask questions, mm-hmm. then you don't have uh, the ability to to reflect on what you know. So going back to the habit, habit stacking idea, when you first learn something, you want to be able to share it and ask questions. And so, and that's one of the reasons why we launched a discussion forum which is in our community, there's a lot of people asking questions around, how do I do this? Or I have two loans and I'm wondering what should I pay off first? And I'm thinking about buying some, you know, or, or buying some index funds for retirement. Can you help me with these priorities? Uh, because of that, we have a discussion forum where people can chime in 
and ask any type of personal uh, finance question that comes to their mind. And we have our supportive community and financial coaches who are helping our members answer those questions. That's really the, the gist of the offering. Now, there's a lot of things in the work, but for us, forming that supportive community of people who are passionate about financial wellness is really the key. Uh, and that's something we're, that we're focused on building. Okay, well, that, that sounds uh, absolutely great. And this is accessible. How, how do people access it? Is it just to go to the website and uh, they can register there? Or uh, how does that work? Yeah, aspini.com is the, the, the main name. Mm-hmm. And you could just register. You don't, you don't even have to register if you don't want to. You could just try it out, start learning today. Mm-hmm. The curriculum is personalized. So when you learn on Finney, you can basically say, okay, I'm interested in the following topics. Like I'm interested in insurance or investing. And I'm not interested in budgeting and saving. So you could express that and, and they will custom make a curriculum for you so that you're getting only that content that, that you asked personally about. So in a way, that's really a personalized curriculum just for you. And um, of course, if you have questions, you could come to the discussion forum and ask anything that's top of mind for you. Okay, very good. Anyway, link uh, all the information in the show notes so uh, the listeners can find it. Oh, and uh, yeah, Milan, so uh, thank you again for uh, sharing your story. I think it was quite helpful and um, there were ver- some very good tips. Uh, it's uh, uh, on, on managing your finance I li- and I like the anti-budget because I didn't, uh, didn't know about it myself. So it, it's uh, always uh, great to have guests like yourself who learn stuff, new, new things, new perspectives on personal finance. And uh, Milan, as you know, we at the end of the show, we always have our three quick fire questions. So are you ready for it? I am. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Question number one. So uh, what is the best investment you've made so far? Jonathan, I have a couple of things. I would say number one for, for us, that's been investing in our personal finance education because the world out there is so complicated. And mm-hmm. if you don't take time to understand it, you won't be able to make rational financial decisions. So um, I can't express this return quantitatively, but I can tell you it's brought us to a state of financial independence. And now we're very happy and we're just learning more and more every day. I have one more thing, which I'm going to credit to my wife. Um, Some years ago, she bought me Apple stock for, I think, under $20. Wow. (laughs) That has yielded a tremendous return. So thanks to Cheeky, now I have a 900% return. That's amazing because those $20, they were even before the the stock split, so so that means it it's worth uh, yeah it, it's worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is, so, it is. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, second questions. Uh, what is a a book you can recommend to anyone, and it does not need to be a financial book. You know, I really like um, Angela Duckworth's Grit. Mm-hmm. Angela Duckworth is a professor at University of Pennsylvania, and she wrote about grit, which to her means two things passion and perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why these two things are important is, you know, passion itself is just not enough to be successful. You just have to wake up every day and practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. And if you do these two things collectively together, if you, every day, if you work towards your goal, if you find yourself being inspired by what you do and inspired to practice more, you'll end up in a really good state. And and for me, the, the way I read Great. It's it's not. I don't read it page for page. Um, actually, on those days when I feel all down, I just open the book and read a couple of chapters, and it 
and I just wind up being inspired to do more. No, that's great. It's um, I think it's a, it would be a great addition to my library because I like all these kind of books, and it, yeah, it, I like that it seems to um, to favor like uh, consistency. And I'm a fan of habits. If I mean the, the listeners know that uh, I like books such as um, yeah, Atomic Habits and on all this stuff. So I think it would be a, a good addition and a good blending of uh, yeah of habits and success. I and I think Atomic Habits is a great one as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Milan, then the last questions, and I'm curious to hear about your uh, answer on that one. What is the best purchase you've made for under $100? Under $100, uh, a home gym. Mm-hmm. A home gym is something I invested in a long time ago, but I bought myself a mat, a bench press, uh, pull-up and push-up bars. And that all, I think, cost about $100 or so. Oh, wow. And it's the best investment i uh, made personally because when our kids were born, I didn't have the time to go to the gym every day. Mm-hmm. So having a home gym is something that allows you to exercise every day uh, if you if you just have a little bit of time. And now, particularly in the in the coronavirus times, it's paramount. It's it's just something that makes me very happy that I can instead of going to the gym, I can go to our garage and you know practice for a couple of minutes and. Um, and be really happy and inspired. Yeah, no, that's excellent. And yeah, for for under a hundred dollars, getting a, le- a little exercise every day—that's uh, that's fantastic. That's great. It's a <laughs> absolutely great investment. So, Milan, uh, yeah, we talked about your website, so people can find all the information there. Askfini.com. But are you as well on social media or uh, Instagram, Twitter? Are you on social media so people can find you there as well? Yeah, so we're on Twitter and Instagram, and our handle is at AskFinny, mm-hmm. one word. So that's Ask, A-S-K-F-I-N-N-Y. Mm-hmm. That's the handle for both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, I'll link it all up in the show notes. And um, yeah, so uh, Milan, thank you once more for joining. It was, uh, yeah, it was great to have you on. Thank you, Jonathan. I really enjoyed this. And uh yeah, that's best of luck to you. That's, it's a great show you're running. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend. And as well, make sure you rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So thank you if you do so. So before we head off, as usual, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, stay away from daily financial news. It is entertainment, not solid research, like science, for example. The lack of financial education is a recipe for disaster that can, for example, lead you to make the wrong decisions. Selling at the bottom of the market, for example. (laughs) Without the proper education, the difference between information and entertainment will be confusing. Number two, the anti-budget method that is for people who hate to budget or uh, who have struggled in the past with sticking to a budget. The anti-budget method says that you should pay yourself first savings, retirement, 401ks for American friends, your investment portfolios, etc. And then you can pay your bills and dues, and then you can spend what's left over, however you so wish. Number three, make personal finance a habit in your couple. Have a set time like Saturday morning, like Milan is doing, for example. That way you will be more successful as a couple with your finances. And last but not least for today, financial fitness is like health and fitness. You need to do a financial exercise every day to keep financially fit. And that means learning something new, thinking about ways to make or save more money, or simply to think about your path 
to financial freedom. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.